What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of our live Q&A show. It is Tuesday night, 7 p.m., and uh, we do this every single week. Uh, it's one of my favorite um, things that we do each and every week. Every Tuesday, we answer you guys' uh, your guys's, y'all's question. We're in Tennessee. I can say y'all. We answer y'all's questions um, live, and also we've got some questions that came in during the week. Thank you in advance uh, for those. Um, if you're with us, go ahead and say hello. Um, if you're with us live, we're going to have a really, really cool, cool show today. Uh, a lot of great questions came in um, through email, through Instagram. Uh, if you're not following us over there, we're doing some cool stuff over on Instagram. It's Performance Medicine TN. Performance Medicine Tennessee. Uh, check us out there. Hello, Barbara. How's it going? Great to see you. Uh, we're going to let people uh, filter in there. Kathy, what's going on over on YouTube? Uh, thank you, Kathy, for, for joining us over there. Uh, for those who uh, are, have not subscribed to the YouTube channel, we put uh, new videos up there uh, every single Tuesday. Had a couple of fantastic videos uh, put up this morning. Um, Molly, what's going on? Brandy, how you doing? Uh, hello, uh, Brandy and Chad. JQ, JQ from YouTube, what's going on? Um, but we've got some great videos that came out the, this morning. Um, one was with Dr. Mark Ellis, who's a close friend of mine, a uh, functional chiropractor, does a lot of uh, neurology work and uh, does a lot with concussions and vertigo and POTS. And, and we talked about the brain and long hauler syndrome. A lot of people have already checked out that video. If you haven't checked out that one, it's a really, really fascinating one. He's, uh, he's treating a, a whole lot of uh, long COVID, as we're calling it, which is um, long hauler syndrome. Jessica, how's it going? Uh, hope your, your trip to Montana a few weeks back was amazing. Um, all right, we're going to bring in Doc. He's, uh, he is ready. Um, and here we go. Doc, what's going on? Hey, Ben. Hey, Ben. How are you? I am wonderful. I'm excited about this show. Uh, I know we've, we've had a, a long and busy day, and I'm sure everyone uh, out there has as well. So, so we're going to try to bring as much value as possible. Um, if you guys have questions, um, go ahead and put those in the comments. We've got a few to get through that came in uh, during the week. Um, and, and Doc, this is our time, man. We're like this is our time to kind of catch up. It's funny. Um, you know, I, I haven't spoke, I haven't spoken to you all day and, and here we are, uh, just hopping on, uh, this is good. If, if this is the only way I can talk to you. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about it. You know, these shows are good. These live at fives cause I'm more apt to say something, um, that I wouldn't say on one of my podcasts because, you know, I mean, right now, especially when things are kind of controversial with the COVID and all that and, I'm more likely to answer a question um, because it won't get, you know, censored if I put it on a, uh, a message or on one of my written down formats. So I tend to be a little pretty straightforward and on these things. So I, I love to take questions about COVID or about what I would do, or, you know, again, these aren't medical advice sessions. These are just, um, what do I think? If you ask me a question, I'm going to tell you what I think. So, yeah, it, it's um, really, it's really cool. And, and part of like the, the, the idea behind this show that we started, we started this a, a couple of years back. It, it's gone through a few iterations it was five at five. Cause we did it at five o'clock. And, 
Um, and now it's the live Q&A show, and we put it up on Outside the Box, uh, which, uh, which is our podcast. There's a lot of people uh, listening to that right now. Hello, Outside the Boxers. Um, and, and, and now we do it at 7. We take live questions. It's, it's, it was our way of kind of um, bringing a consult uh, you know, just a little more accessible. Um, and if you have a question, you know, this is a great place to do it. And I don't have to go anywhere for it. We're just going to do it right here on, uh, live on Facebook and YouTube. And I may not know the answer, but if I don't know the answer, then I'll tell you, I don't know the answer and maybe we'll, I'll do some research on it. And, you know, we'll answer it when we can, but I, I you know, I like well, the off the cuff stuff. I don't research this or anything. So, well, and that and that's another thing is you know a lot of these questions is where we get our ideas for you know the common sense MD podcast episodes and you know more uh, like doctor's note uh, blog posts things of that nature. So, so we we take note okay. of the the types of questions. So, thank you for those in advance, Shelly. How's it going? Thank you for for being here. Um, okay, let's get to it. Um, first off, we'll start off with a vaccine question. You've said that you aren't anti-vaccine and felt that vaccines were good for certain individuals. So who do you think are good candidates for the vaccine? That's a good question. Um, well, elderly people who may be residing in a nursing home where it could go through there like wildfire, maybe healthcare workers who are in uh, on the front lines that are exposed all the time. Um, people that maybe are extremely obese, that, you know, if they get it, they're going to do bad. Um, again, from the very get-go of this thing, the, the first thing I noticed was it was killing obese people, morbidly obese people, and it's still the case. Um, now, there's some outliers. You know, in life, we, a lot of times we don't know what's going to happen. There's some odd situations why this could, COVID could kill a, you know, normal 30-year-old, normal weight person with no pre-existing conditions, which is rare as hen's teeth, but it, it has happened. Um, there are certain things in their genetics that probably cause that, that um, don't have any outward signs, um, but there's something there. But um, so, you know, again, I don't blame anybody for taking the vaccine. Um, I've seen a lot of untoward reactions from the vaccines, all of them, um, see it every day. And I hear about it. I talk to, I treat COVID every day. I treated several today. We're all in the upswing of probably the Delta variant. Most of the, the uh, COVID nowadays is Delta. And it's probably a little more, from what they say, it may be a little more transmittable. I don't think it's any more deadly than the old stuff. Um, there was one study I read about that was, I think out of Singapore that um, they did the the nose swabs and took a viral count. There may have been a thousand times more viral particles with this variant than the original or the alpha. But um, so um, it's probably a little bit more contagious from what they say. But I'm just hoping we're headed towards some herd immunity. I mean, gosh, so many people have had this thing. There's probably 15 to 20 percent of people that will never get it, no matter what, from their genetics or whatever. They're just resistant to it. You know, a lot of people have been vaccinated, which certainly doesn't prevent you from getting the, the COVID. I mean, we've seen that. Everybody knows that. 
most of the people in these foreign countries that are very highly vaccinated, uh, most of the new cases are surging and most of them have been fully vaccinated, um, you know, up to 80 percent. Um, so but maybe it maybe it's less lethal if you've had the vaccine. That's what they're claiming. But again, I don't, I don't trust a whole lot of what they're telling us either. So, you know, I know there's there's just a lot of misinformation about it. But the bottom line is protect yourself. Take your vitamins um, to hopefully so hopefully you won't get it. Um, I certainly don't think you should be mandated to get the vaccine. I mean, I've I've talked to many people who won't get it and they're willing to lose their jobs over it. Many healthcare workers that I know will not take the vaccine and others um, are glad to get it and fine. It's just, it'd be up to you, but take your vitamins, especially D, C and zinc, probably quercetin, um, use your hygienic measures. Um, you know, certainly if you're sick, stay away from other people, you know, if you feel bad at all. Um, and because if you have a headache, you got a runny nose, you're coughing, or a little fever, you probably have COVID. Um, but uh, so go down and get a test. And if you are, you know, stay away from people. Tell your family and get treated early. You know, early treatment is essential. The last patient I treated tonight was a COVID patient, of course. You know, her husband has it. She was in another state. Uh, she doesn't have it. So some people just don't get it. Other people get mildly ill. Um, other people can get pretty sick with it. That's why I recommend early treatment um, with early ivermectin. Treatment. Yep. And also, and also, if you want prophylaxis, I've been on ivermectin for a year, once a week. Mm -hmm. It's not going to hurt you. You know, so early uh, treatment. Pregnant women can't take it. Pregnant women should not take ivermectin. I got that question today. Oh. That's actually, no. go ahead and say that again for, for the people who, because I, I think that's actually. Women should not take the, the uh, I don't think they should take the vaccine either, but they shouldn't take ivermectin. Okay. Uh, so our hydroxychloroquine while they're pregnant, I don't think. Um, okay. But, but anyway. Um, All right. Thank you. For, but thank yeah, you I hope that was a good, that was a good people that may be at high risk that are certainly scared of it. And, um, you know. That type of thing. I'm hoping a different, better vaccine will come out called the Novavax. I'm hoping that will come out, but it's not here yet. So, any insight on on timing of that, or you know, anything that you're some hearing? Some people say fall. Some people say fall. Okay, but we'll see. Um, you know, um, we were. Thank you for these questions, guys. Keep these questions coming. We're going to get to to the live live question portion of this here in a few minutes. So, thank you in advance. Uh, for, for putting great questions in there. We really appreciate that. Um, we're going to get to that probably around the, the 15, 20 minute mark. Um, you and I were, we were hanging out this weekend and, and we, uh, you're talking about who, who can you trust in healthcare and, and, uh, you know, and, and it was a really interesting, I was actually, you know, writing some of these notes down for, um, for a potential podcast ideas. And, you know, it, it kind of, you ended by saying, you know, you got to take, take control of your own health. And I think that's been, you know, the message, you know, during the last 18, 20 months. And uh, hopefully that's what people will get out of this. Um, all right, let's go to the next one. Uh, really cool question here. I appreciated this one. Uh, what are your thoughts on adults drinking breast milk for a supplement to help with gut health and different autoimmune diseases? 
can it introduce good bacteria back into the gut? What's your thoughts on that? Well, you're talking about colostrum, which you can get, you know, down at Max Mesomart or a lot of your health food stores. I'm, I'm certainly great with colostrum, especially, um, you know, that uh, if you get a good brand, I can't think of a, the name I got one time. I took it a little off from my gut, but, uh, um, you know, um, so I certainly think colostrum uh, has a lot of... Uh, uh, great qualities for it for people that uh, have leaky gut and things or maybe a healed gut after you've been treated. Um, so, you know, so when you say adults drinking breast milk, you know, people could take that differently. But, um, you know, but you're talking about colostrum, which comes in peel form. I think it's I think it's good. Um, so you so you are you are a fan. Yeah, I like colostrum. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, I'm, about, I'm certainly I'm a fan of breast milk for infants taking breast milk over the bottle, of course. I mean, everybody knows that. Um, a lot of advantages to that. But, uh, um, yeah. What about it introducing good bacteria into the gut? Is that kind of what the, the function of it is? Kind of what it does. Yeah, it's kind of what it does. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for that question. All right. We're going to go to the next one here. Um, Ozempic side effects were awful with the shot in the stomach. Does the leg have better effect? I've never, no, I've never heard of anybody putting it in their leg, but all you're doing is putting it sub Q. It's supposed to be put in the abdomen subcutaneous, which is very shallow. I suppose you could put it, you know, the needle so small, you could try it, but you know, I just, don't have a lot of awful side effects with uh, Ozempic. There's been a couple people that got really nauseated with it, but you know, it went away. But now again, if you get a severe abdominal pain with this, you, you sh shouldn't take it because you know, in rare cases, can it cause pancreatitis? I did see that one time. Uh, it wasn't with Ozempic. It was with one of the other earlier ones, but uh, GLP one agus, but, um, I think it gave uh, one of my patients pancreatitis. So if you get severe epigastric abdominal pain, don't take it. Nausea usually goes away, but I don't think it's going to make a difference where you put the injection for that. I can't imagine that. But, um, but if you had just had terrible side effects from it, you may not should take it. We'll look for something different. All right. Thank you for that question. And, uh, a, a quick little note there where we have a, an explain this episode on Wegovi that came out this morning. Wegovi is uh, virtually the same thing as Ozempic. Um, it was recently approved for weight loss. Um, and Robin Riddle, our nurse practitioner in Knoxville, uh, does an explain this episode where she breaks down everything about Wegovi in terms of dosing and, and what it actually does, these GLP-1 agonists. Uh, super cool. So check that out. That's brand new. Went up this morning on the YouTube channel. And I'm just going to put this up here for, for Mark. He, he um, sent us an email uh, a few days ago about kind of prompting, you know, is there something here with the wildfires and health? Um, I'm sure, you know, a lot of us have noticed some haziness in the air from the wildfires going on. Uh, is there anything that initially comes in uh, into your head in regards to, you know, could this affect our health? The, you know, the, the yeah, it could. I mean, when you start thinking about it, um, 
certainly the smoke inhalation, it's got to be terrible for those people out west. I can't imagine. I mean, anything you inhale in your lungs can be potentially inflammatory and toxic, especially when you, um, you're, you're thinking about burning houses with all the, the toxic things in a house. Think about it furniture with um, different types of, of things you get off that with plastic, burning plastic that you're inhaling into your lungs. Gosh, with all the petroleum products, with um, paint. I mean, you can, and you can see that that stuff could be carried for a long ways. And if you're inhaling it, especially if you're an asthmatic or, you know, or maybe a kid or maybe really elderly, you know, you should probably go indoors. Um, I mean, I noticed as far as away as where we are in Tennessee. Right. Um, you know, and a lot of people start coughing. We certainly have seen a little exacerbation in um, the people with asthma flaring a little bit right now. And there's also, you know, if you're out in California and you're bulldozing all this stuff, you're probably you know, exposing mold to fire that could be propagated with, um, you know, the, the uh, smoke as well. I mean, there's been even some people theorize that COVID-19 could be spread through that. You know, it doesn't seem plausible, but, um, you know, because COVID-19 doesn't do well with heat, but um, certainly, um it can definitely irritate your lungs and make you more susceptible. It can knock your immune system down and make you more susceptible to getting COVID in that way, I could assume. So there's a lot of people that think maybe that could happen. Sometimes there's some spikes after these fires of respiratory illnesses, including mold, you know, fungus. Um, so in other words, it, that smoke could act as a vector, a carrier of, uh, uh, particulate matter that's not good for you. I mean, look at what happened at 9-11 with the, yeah. you know, those buildings came down on all that dust and all the melted stuff that came in, in that, those hero fire fighters and policemen, rescue workers. I mean, a lot of them got really sick. The cancer rates went way up. And um, so it's certainly not good for you. I know your cloth mask won't help either. It'd take an N95 to block some of that particular matter out. So that, that was going to um, be that's my, a, that's my a really good question. That's a really good question. I mean, I'd hate to live out in California right now, among other reasons, but um, fresh air is good. Um, and we so, might, we might do a, a little follow, follow up on that. And Mark, if you're with us live, if you have a follow up to that, go ahead and put that in the, in the comments. Uh, we'll dive a little bit deeper. Um, that was it for the questions that came in during the week. So we are going into our uh, live Q&A part now. Um, so if you have a question, put in the comments. Um, really appreciate you guys hanging out with us on this Tuesday evening. Uh, this means the world to us. It's so much fun. We're going we're to do this every single week. We have no plans on stopping. Um, so appreciate you guys uh, for being here. Um, okay, let's get to a few questions. Uh, I love a good hormone question, and this is a really, really good one. Kathy asks, what are the optimal numbers for women's hormones, E, P, and T? Uh, so that's estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. Yeah, uh, specifically estradiol is the Est one we like to measure. Sometimes I'll break it down and get a, you know, a, um, 
a breakdown of the different forms of, of estrogen, but estradiol is the one with it. it's the, where the money is. Um, so with estradiol, I like to see it around 60 to 80. Again, I'm not treating a lab, I'm treating a person. So I, I really like to go more by symptoms uh, than I do the absolute numbers. Um, progesterone, around one, 1 1.5, two. I like to see about a 10 to one ratio, estrogen to progesterone, usually eight to 10 to one. Um, testosterone, number one, there's no really normal for testosterone in women. So if you see a, a, a normal range, that means nothing. I like to see a testosterone in a woman about 80. You know, some women that are real active work out a lot, like to see it 100, 120, 150 maybe. Um, you know, just as long as you don't start getting a lot of side effects, like, um, you know, acne or hair growth, if you get it too high. But uh, gosh, I have some women that like it 180, 200, and they do fine with it. So, you know, you need them all. So, uh, and I do blood tests. Sometimes I do um, salivary tests, which supposedly measures the tissue level better, you know, but um, a, lot, a lot of things can affect that salivary level. And um, I, they seem to be all over the board. So I do really well with blood testing. And sometimes I'll get uh, uh, a urine test on it, the Dutch test. It'll kind of break it down a little further as to which pathway that um, estrogen is metabolized down. So along with a lot of other good information, but um, uh, it's kind of an expensive test. Some people that really want to dig into it will look at which pathway that estrone is traveling down. It's a bad, bad kind of cholesterol is estrone. Um, we never use that. But uh, so that's a great question. So those are my numbers. Again, I go, more about symptoms than I do numbers, but uh, those seem to be kind of optimal. Great question. Kathy, thank you for that. Um, over on YouTube, I'm going to stick with YouTube over here with Candy. What are your thoughts on being a carnivore? I feel the best with just eating meat and eggs. Uh, thank you and love your offices. Well, man, Candy, thank you so much. Thank you so much for saying that. We, we love you too. We love you too. T t tell us what office you're in. We'll give a shout out to to that particular office. Uh, they are all wonderful. Um, but what's your, what's your thoughts on that, Don? I'm fine with you being a, a carnivore. At least you're not eating candy, candy. <laughs> that was a lame joke. Isn't it? <laughs> candy, I hope you forgive me for that, but uh, I'm glad you like our office. Uh, but I'm okay with it. You know, I like vegetables. You know, I do like vegetables. So certainly take your supplements if you don't eat any vegetables. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, I look a lot at gut health and all, and um, certainly you want to get some fiber and uh, I like vegetables. So I think if you eat meats, especially great fish, um, grass-fed beef, organic chicken, it's great. I mean, a lot of people do that and uh, they do fantastic um, with that kind of diet, but I would add some veggies. Um, or at least take some supplements that have some of the good antioxidants in them, flavonoids, uh, polyphenols, that type of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, see how you feel on it and all. I'm certainly, uh, I'm a low carb guy for sure, which goes along with that. Um, but 
I also do think vegetables are good for you and maybe some fruits like the berries, but a lot of the other fruits are just pure sugar. So, you know, I'll try to avoid those. Um, bananas are terrible for you, except they do have some fiber in them, but they just, they're the, the risk outweigh the benefits for bananas. I think a lot of people can't figure out why they're lo not losing weight and they're eating banana every day, which also can disrupt your hormones. So I'm okay with it, you know, candy. So, um, but just, you may want to come in and get a Cleveland heart panel to make sure that your antioxidants, your omega threes, your vitamin levels are okay. Um, but I need a lot of fish and grass fed meat. Yeah. I was thinking you could, chicken. you can, you can supplement for the, for the omega threes, of course, but also get it through fish and, um, trying to, yeah. it would just be the antioxidants you'd really be missing out on. Yeah. You know, flavonoids maybe, but, yeah. uh, um, yeah, I mean, you could certainly do that and supplement as well, but go by how you feel and look at your gut health. You know, as you get older, you, you have a harder time digesting uh, red meats for sure. Um, so certainly you, you probably want to get a, a good probiotic and probably digest shield, which has the uh, digestive enzymes that can help you break down some of that stuff. You can also, you could get too much protein. Um, you know, which could, if you oversaturate the protein, it, it can turn to, to glucose. So um, be careful with that. You know, and it could also put pressure on your kidneys a little bit. So, you know, my carnivores, I watch their uh, uh, creatinine measurements on their, their blood test uh, pretty closely. So great question, though. All right. Thank you for that, Candy. And thank you for, for coming into the office. We appreciate that. Um, Shelly has a question here about COVID. Um, what is the latest with increasing COVID numbers? Are vaccinated and unvaccinated people getting COVID? Extra vitamins won't hurt anyone. Uh, that is certainly true there, Shelly. Um, you've talked a little bit about COVID. Why don't you just uh, answer this question real quickly for, for Shelly here? Yeah, I think uh, they are increasing because I treat it every day now. There was a real lull where we didn't treat more than two or three a week. Now we're treating several a day. Um, so, um, yeah, it's the Delta variant. I'm sure that's why I'd say most all of them are the Delta variant. It's just the virus mutates and it finds ways around it, especially when you've got a vaccine out there. You know, it's finding ways around the vaccine. And sure, I mean, they're both getting it. Like I told, told you before, both vaccinated and unvaccinated people are getting COVID right now, um, probably in equal numbers. I mean, they, they say that the unvaccinated are the ones that are, are hospitalized mostly. Um, I don't know whether to believe it or not, but um, uh, it may be the way it is. But um, certainly the ones that are in the worst shape and have pre-existing Diseases are the ones that are most risk for being hospitalized with with COVID-19. It's just as treatable as it was, probably a little more contagious. And I mean, we'll have another variant, you know, at some point. But I'm hoping we'll so many people have had this. I mean, that I'm hoping we'll develop herd immunity. And again, it hit the United States worse than any other country on Earth. Um, it, we got more cases. We had more deaths than any other country on Earth. We're the most advanced technologically 
country in the world by far. We spend so much more money than anybody else does on our healthcare system. The reason we're in such poor, lousy shape, you know, Americans eat that sad diet, you know, stereotypical American diet. Um, and we a lot of obesity here. And, you know, I hope it, if it teaches us anything else is we need to get our country in shape and get rid of this obesity problem that we have um, and, and straighten up our guts. I mean, we've got so much immune diseases in this country. It's unbelievable. I mean, you, you have drug companies going out and inventing autoimmune diseases. They can sell a billion dollar drug. When you need to straighten out your gut in the first place, you wouldn't come now with these, these autoimmune diseases. Or maybe it was, maybe it was an infectious etiology that caused it like Lyme disease, you know? Uh, so, um, so I hope that answered the question. Yeah, there is more COVID probably because of COVID-19, which is probably more transmittable. It's still treatable, treat early, take your vitamins and maybe a weekly dose of ivermectin like I do to hopefully maybe prevent it. No guarantee of that, but, um, all the studies show that it's very effective. Um, uh, so, well, I won't say all, but I'll say the majority of them. You can you can make a study say anything you want. Um, so, um, all right, Shelley, thank you so much for that for that question there. Uh, I got a, a, a funny a funny question uh, about the the CGM from uh, Juan. I'm gonna put up here just for a second. It's gonna cover up our whole face. Uh, I think uh, so. Actually, I'm I'm not gonna put it up, Juan, but I'm gonna I'm gonna mention it here. And um, what she would like you to do is do a finger prick before eating a bunt cake. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, then afterwards? And seeing, afterwards. Seeing, what, seeing what it was like afterwards. Uh, to now, get I'll the, have Andy do that. I'll have Andy do that because he likes <laughs> the bunt cakes. I've sworn them off. They're too good. <laughs> you have not sworn off a bunt cake. Um, I think uh, Andy can <laughs> attest to that. I can attest to that. Uh, I haven't but, eaten a bunt cake since I tried that experiment. <laughs> but I, I, I think what, I never will. What she if was. If a drug rep happens to bring me a bunt cake, I may eat a bite or two. But, <laughs> you know, only during the non fasting period. Uh, so if I bring it in the morning, I'm not going to eat it. If we if we have any drug reps in the in the in the building tonight, um, that is a a clear call to action. There, we need to get some bunt cakes in the That's in the offices. Signal. <laughs> yeah, the vanilla is the best. But um, again, less is better. So if you have to eat a bunt cake, have a bite or two of it and stop. Even even Katie even Katie says that that you would not swear off a bunt cake, and I I tend to agree with her on this one. I, I don't think you're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm about ready to when I saw what it did to my sugar level. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to Katie. Thank you for for hanging out tonight after such a busy day in office. Uh, Terry's in, uh, in Guatemala. What's up, Terry? Thank you for hanging out while you're Terry. Uh, wow. That's ho impressive. Hopefully on, Terry's on a, Terry, Terry's one of those jet setter guys. It's a good acquaintance, great patient. And man, I mean, they got jets all over the world. He must have more money than he knows what to do. Either that or he's on a mission trip because he's also a giver. I mean, this guy's a humanitarian. He gives a lot and very healthy for his age. I mean, granted, his age is working against him, but <laughs> actually, he's probably younger than me. But, uh, but Terry's a great guy. But I hope it's great down there, Terry. Um, I bet you didn't get down there without the vaccine, that's for sure. But maybe you did. 
Terry, thank you. Hopefully uh, be safe down there. Thank you for for joining us over there, Terry. Uh, Brandy has a has a great question here. Um, Brandy asks, "Can you take too many probiotics?" I take a Digest Shield twice daily that contains probiotics and then another probiotic supplement as well. Wasn't sure if you get if you get rid of what you don't need or if you can possibly build up up too much. This is a really really good probiotic. That's question. a great question. A great question. Yeah, you can get too many for sure. One time I decided to, uh, I was taking 30 uh, billion and decided, well, that's so good for me. Why don't I move to 60 or 80 billion? So I did it and it immediately gave me stomach ache and, you know, worse. So I couldn't take that many. Um, I like the digest shield because it just has 11 billion, but they, there's 11 different types. So it's not the amount, it's the quality of them for sure. You can certainly listen to your gut if it, you know, if it's not bothering you, then you can tolerate it. See how you feel. Listen to your gut, your gut feeling. Uh, but certainly you don't have to get rid of your other uh, probiotic. But I like Digestio because it's got five prebiotics, 11, 11 probiotics in the right distribution. There's only 11 billion of them in there. So it also has the digestive enzymes to break down fats and some proteins and carbs. It's got a lectin blocker, uh, chitosin, and it also has lactase to help you break down any dairy you may get and uh, a gluten blocker. So it's kind of all in one, but certainly you could keep taking your other probiotic if you want. And that would be more of just how your, how your body responds to it. You can kind of tell when you've gone, gone too far. You'll get loose stools and, you know, it just won't feel right. So um, you can certainly try it just with the digest shield. But um, and if you need a little more, then continue taking your other probiotic. How are you counseling? And when you're sick, you can move up. Again, when you're sick, you can move them up. You know, can increase the, the CFUs, colony forming units in your probiotics. You may need more. How are you initially coaching patients uh, when when they when they first get on Digest Shield? How are you coaching them in, in terms of like how many tablets to take per day and when? Is there a is there like a uh, set yeah, thing? I just, yeah, I just take take two a day, uh, thirty minutes before the two meals you're going to eat. Okay, that's my typical dosing. I've had people get by with one a day and do fine, but, um, and some people have to take a little more, three a day, but, uh, usually two a day, thirty minutes before meals. Another probiotic question here from, from Carol. Thank you for this, Carol. Uh, what do you think of the probiotic Florigen? I think it's a good one. You know, I've never taken it personally, but a lot of my patients have taken it, and they seem to like it a lot. Again, listen to your gut and see uh, see how you feel with it. See how your gut functions. If you have normal bowel movements, you don't have a lot of bloating, gas, heartburn, reflux cramping, then it's probably working good for you. That along with, uh, you know, prebiotics, which that may have in it, I'm not sure, but uh, certainly your fiber is your prebiotics too. But um, So yeah, I've heard good things about it. Thank you for that, Carol. And and thank you guys for, for hanging out with us tonight. It seems like uh, unless there's any more last minute questions, you can, you can go ahead and squeeze those in. If you, if you have one at the top of your mind, 
uh, go ahead and put it in there. I'll be on the lookout. We've got a few people uh, on our team with Katie there and Jenny behind the camera. If we get a, a last minute question, we'll, we'll grab it, but just want to say thanks. You know, this is um, a really, really cool thing for Dr. Rogers and I to do every single Tuesday at seven. Uh, we kind of look at this as uh, every single one of us here is, is trying to take control of our own health. Um, and, and I think that's what, you know, this night is about, um, your questions help, you know, five, six, seven other people, uh, who are, who are listening either live with us or on the podcast or, uh, or listening to it, you know, after the live, um, live edition of this. So, so thank you guys in advance. Um, Shelly, Shelly Kingsport loves you too. Thank you for, uh, for, for coming into the office. Love the Kingsport office. Um, okay, we got a quick one here from Kathy. Let's grab this real quick. Um, how many pellet inserts does it take to start feeling better? Great question, Kathy. Uh, well, I mean, you should start feeling better after your first pellet insert. I mean, it usually takes about a week or so to kick in. Um, and sometimes what we do is we like to check the levels, you know, six to eight weeks after you have your pellet to make sure we've got the right dose in you. Sometimes the first time we may not know. Um, you know, a lot of people feel better when they walk out of the room, but that may be placebo effect. But, um, uh, but gosh, you, you should, if you don't feel better after your first insertion in a week or so, you know, you need to let me know. And, uh, we, we may, you may need more. Again, I'm conservative. I don't like to overdose anybody on hormones. I don't. But so um, just had your first about six weeks and still struggling. I don't know if you if, uh, hopefully you're taking your progesterone as well. And, and you know, I, I don't know how you're struggling, but whether it be sleep, hot flashes, night sweats, um, decreased libido or, you know, there may be some other stuff going on, too besides uh hormone imbalance it could be um gosh it could be a lot of stuff cortisol you know thyroid iron levels if it's fatigue um you know uh i don't know your covid status or not some people have had a lot of uh, long hauler symptoms some people feel bad for months after they take the vaccine so there could be a lot of reasons but it if you had it six weeks ago, pop in the, one of the offices and get the levels checked. And even better, if you haven't had the Cleveland heart panel, pop in and get that. And that'll show a lot more stuff. Okay. Great. Head of Cleveland. We'll see you next week. But we'll figure it out one way or the other. You know, <laughs> we'll look into it. We'll take a deep dive. And um, so hopefully uh, we can get some answers. But uh, I appreciate your feedback. You know, if, if uh, our goal is to help you feel better, you know. That's the reason we're doing this. So um, we'll figure it out. Thank you for, for that, Kathy. What I got from that doctor is uh, you need to be feeling, you know, pretty good pretty soon after after that first insert. Is that right? You should notice a difference within a week, two weeks, um, you know, usually. But okay. Uh, okay. everybody's a little different. Everybody uh, could have other, you know, mitigating uh, circumstances. It's just it's hard to sort out sometimes we talk with you and see what your symptoms are. Kathy, thank you so much for that. Guys, we really appreciate you. That's going to be it for tonight. We are going to sign off for every the, everybody who's with us. Um, we are hiring in the Johnson City office. If you are an MA 
or know an MA who is interested in this type of stuff, shoot us an email, um, info at performancemedicine.net. Uh, we are growing rapidly in that office. Um, so uh, if you know anybody, let us know. We'd love to kind of um, choose from someone within the community. Tracy, thank you so much. I'll go ahead and put that up so, so Doc can see that. Um, we appreciate you. Uh, you're welcome. We enjoy, we enjoy this. It's an honor to, to be able to treat patients. I think I have the best job in the world. Um, and I really like what I do. Knock on wood, I, I, don't, I won't retire. So, um, no retiring. No, re no so, retiring is happening over here. Appreciate you trust us with your health. That's a big thing to us. It's, we don't take that lightly, you know. Um, but Ben, I appreciate you also doing these every Tuesday. I know you'd rather be doing something else, but um, so go out and, you know, ride your bike tonight. You still got a lot of daylight. There you go. Uh, so enjoy. Guys, guys uh, thank, thank you so you. much. Dr. Rogers, thank you for the time tonight. Uh, we love all of you. Thank you for joining us each and every Tuesday. We will see you next week, 7 o'clock, live Q&A. See y'all later. Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.